Early in Jesus' ministry years, he sat on the side of a hill and taught not only his closest followers, but many others who were gathered around to listen to him. And that time of teaching has now been famously called the Sermon on the Mount, possibly the greatest sermon ever given. We hope you're encouraged and challenged each week as we bring you highlights from the greatest sermon ever given. Last week, we began our fall series, The Greatest Sermon Ever Given. And and this is a reference to a time when Jesus taught his followers while sitting on the side of a mountain. It's, It's been famously called the Sermon on the Mount. But we are calling it the greatest sermon ever given. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea of this great sermon that Jesus gives. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I am bringing in essence, a new way of life. I'm bringing a new way of life. And you want to know what's real, what's good, what's what's right, how to, how to live the good life? Then lean in, because I'm about to tell you. And we began last week by looking at Matthew 6, where Jesus gives us insight into being more spiritual. And this week, we're going to look at part two of that message that we started last week. Well, we learned last week that the insight that Jesus gives to being more spiritual was secrecy. So in Matthew 6, he says, give to those in need, but, but do it in secret. (laughs) In that same chapter of Matthew, chapter 6, he also says to fast in secret and to pray in secret. He emphasizes praying in secret by saying, go to a secluded place, a room, maybe a closet to pray. So if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go pray. And of course, the people who were sitting on the mountainside that day listening to Jesus teach, those Jewish people, they would have known those three things that Jesus was talking about, that, that if you prayed and you fasted and you gave money, that that would make you super spiritual. That's what their Jewish leaders taught them. You know, this is, this is how we know you're super spiritual. You give and you fast and you pray well. But here's the catch. If no one saw you giving or no one saw you fasting or praying, they didn't know you were super spiritual. So they would come up with all sorts of ideas and ways to make it look like you were super spiritual. In other words, they'd give you hints that they were giving money or they were fasting or praying. I know, I know, it seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But that's what they did. And so, I wonder, huh, I don't think we're that much different today, though, actually, are we? We kind of give hints to people as well, kind of in the same way. Anyway, to that way of thinking, Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not the way it is in my kingdom. My kingdom's the other way around. In my kingdom, it's secret. And we heard last week in the message last week, you don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so that's how secret Jesus wants it to be. And if you didn't catch that sermon, you can go to our website and see that on video or listen to the podcast. Well, this week, we're going to do part two of that sermon. The sermon's title is Getting the Most Out of Giving. And so this week's part two. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the second part of Jesus' message where he says... Not the kind of rewards that these people get. You know, in other words, being seen, 
by giving and by uh, you know the people giving you accolades and stuff like that. That's not the kind of reward. The kind of reward I want to tell you about is one from my heavenly Father. And so we're going to look at that this week. Let's take a look at some of those same verses that we looked at last week. And that was in Matthew 6. So in Matthew 6, this is what Jesus says. He says, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Give us understanding. Give us each understanding, specifically how we should apply this to our lives. Amen. The Bible is so full of the rewards for being generous that it's, it's staggering, actually. In this one section alone, Matthew 6, the first 18 verses, Jesus talks about being rewarded multiple times. In fact, he even uses the word reward itself eight different times. So what do you have in mind, Jesus? What, what do you think Jesus is trying to get at? He's not saying, I don't think, let's be secret shh, just because it's fun to be secret, although it is kind of fun to be secret. <laughs> He's saying this show of secrecy is actually what reveals your heart. That's why we're secret. Because if you have no need to be seen or rewarded or honored for any of this, then you know your heart is lined up correctly. And, and as our heart is lined up correctly, the rewards, oh, they're so good. Because God's a good God who, who longs to give me and you good things. Several years ago, I heard Pastor John Ortberg elaborate on some of these good things, these, these rewards. And so I just want to share some of his thoughts with you uh, just for a few minutes. And I want to share these because I believe we need to be careful a little bit when we're thinking about this. Uh, there are traditions within Christianity uh, that believe God means for us to always be wealthy. It's, it's a prosperity gospel. That's what we call it, the prosperity gospel. And it can be easily confused with some sort of, of way of thinking like, if I do good, then God will do good back to me. Um, the, I get rewarded for the good things I do, particularly if I give a lot of money. If I'm a big giver, then God gives back to me in big ways. That's, that's the prosperity gospel kind of in a nutshell. And I, I don't think that's what Jesus means at all. So I want to share some of what uh, John Ortberg observes and some of his thoughts on the rewards for generosity. Well, the first reward, and I'm going to share two with you. The first one is we're blessed. Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So let's think about the opposite of giving so that we can kind of get this idea of being blessed. When we think of getting stuff, which is the opposite of giving, when we think of getting stuff, we think it's the path to the good life. Because <laughs> when we get, we receive pleasure. You know, it's like uh, maybe getting a delivery from Amazon, even though we ordered it and we know what's in it. But we're excited about it. We kind of rush down the stairs and go get it and hug it and love on it because we're just excited about gifts, about getting stuff. Or maybe like when we open up our presents uh, at Christmas time. But that little burst of joy and excitement always wears off. Over the long haul, givers are happier and are more blessed and more joyful people than getters. 
Listen to this. This is a scientific understanding of how deeply God has wired us up for generosity. When you're generous with your money and with your time, like in serving other people, it triggers the release of oxytocin or dopamine or serotonin, endorphins. These are all hormones. I don't even know how I pronounced them right. But science has observed all this over time, that it is sometimes even called the helper's high. Interestingly enough, stingy people secrete cortisol, which is kind of the stress hormone. I find that amazing. That God's wired our body so literally that we cannot give without actually getting, just at least at the hormonal level. Generosity experiences the delight of God. Emmanuel, full of servant-hearted people, people who take care of our landscape and people who greet other people, at least during non-pandemic times, people who always stay around and clean the building, think tank kind of people, people who like to sit on meetings and, and committees and, and they think of ways to help uh, us further our vision better. People who regularly love up on our children. I mean, the list goes on. There's people who make handmade kind of gifts and, and give them to other people just to bless them or because it's their birthday or, or for no good reason at all, just because they love them. There are few people who regularly show up at my door out of the blue and just bring me a meal or a cinnamon bowl or or a scone without ginger because this person knows I'm not a big fan of ginger. And ECC people are equally generous with their money as well. There's a lot of churches out there that are struggling during this pandemic, and, and you have remained consistent with your giving as much as God has allowed you. Generous people will tell you that they've gotten more blessing more meaning, more gratitude and joy out of money they gave than money they saved. Okay, so that's the first reward, that you will be blessed. Now I want to elaborate just on one more, and that is that there's more relational connection. When you give, there's more relational connection. We live in a society that's increasingly rich financially, but relationally poor, financially rich, relationally poor. Paul, one of the leaders of the early church, and the guy, by the way, who wrote kind of the high percentage of the New Testament, he writes this young church in the ancient Greek city of Corinth. And this group of Jesus followers in Corinth, they had some money. They were doing pretty good. But there was a group of Jesus followers back in Jerusalem not doing so good. They didn't have as much money. So Paul says to those people in Corinth, hey, can you give money back to the sisters and the brothers in Jerusalem? And they did. They did. And listen, listen to what he says to these givers in this city of Corinth. He says to these Corinthians, he says, and in their prayers, and he's referring back to those people in Jerusalem, those people that they gave their money to, in their prayers... For you, their hearts will go out to you. They have this new relational connection. The hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. People who are generous with their time, generous with their money, end up entering into new relationships, connecting with people, caring for people, 
caring about people, and they receive this surpassing grace from God. If you're stingy with your time and money, you'll find other people will be stingy with their hearts. But if you're generous with your money, with your time, people's hearts, they'll go out to you. So where does that leave us today? Maybe I can ask a simple question for myself and for you. Is that where is my heart? Where is your heart regarding being generous and generous with our time and generous with our money? Are we stingy with it or are we givers? If you're not volunteering, if you're not serving, I want to encourage you, maybe even challenge you a bit, to get generous with your time. See if God does not multiply your time and energy in ways that build up your faith. It could be something simple. It could be something as simple as <laughs> emptying the dishwasher without being asked. Or it could be kind of sacrificial listening, like Juliana introduced us to over the summer. It could be more challenging, especially when it comes to our money. No one likes, especially a preacher, <laughs> no one likes people telling them what to do with their money, uh, unless it's some sort of in investment advice. The beginning level of giving for the people of Israel was called the tithe, where people would give the first 10% of their source of income. It was called their first fruits. And for them, it really wasn't money because money really wasn't the currency for them, at least in those early years. It could have been anything from vegetables to fruits or to meat or maybe something they built in a carpentry shop. God called it the first fruits. And people back then also had a hard time trusting God with their money too. Here's what God says. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. It's the Old Testament way of saying, give and give generously, give of the first fruits of your way of life, of your money, and of your time. In fact, in this area, this is the only time we ever hear anything from God like this at all, where he invites people to test him? Test him? Yeah. So God and I invite you this week, this month, this year, be generous with your time, with your money. Test God and see just how good our Heavenly Father is. Get the most. Get the kind of rewards the Heavenly Father has in mind. Get the most out of giving.